Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Think about a time when you've heard somebody telling a story. Uh, Perhaps they begin at the beginning. Perhaps they begin somewhere in the middle. Maybe they begin at the very end, just so you know how it's all going to finish. Maybe they give you the very least amount of detail and just the main points. Or perhaps, as some tend to do, they give you every single detail of every single part of every bit of the story. I'm sure you can think of times when you've been listening to a story and when that happens. I'm a detailed person. I do quite like that, but I won't try and do that with you this morning. But telling stories is key uh, to conveying information, to understanding information. Uh, And we all tell stories all the time. And this morning, I want to look at a very, very well-known story, one of four stories uh, written about the life of Jesus. And I'm going to be looking at the gospel today of John. And not the whole gospel, you'll be pleased to know, Uh, just just the beginning bit. And even that, to be honest, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by the task that I've set myself because we all kind of know bits about the gospel of John, I'm sure. We all have read the stories of Jesus. We all know it's a little bit different from some of the other gospels. Uh, But actually, when you start to get into it, when you start to read it and and meditate on it and dwell in it, you realise it is rich, it is deep, it is, there's some heavy stuff in there. So I, I'm hoping and I'm praying that I can uh, do some credit to what John is trying to do because uh, he's done a beautiful thing. And I, I'd encourage you to spend time in his gospel, reading it, praying over it, asking God what he's saying to you through it. It's the book that I've been reading uh, most recently, hence why I chose it. And, um, and, I, and I feel like what John is doing is something really helpful for us because it, Well, I'll tell you what he's doing in a minute. But basically, what do we know about the Gospel of John? Well, lots of people absolutely love it, don't they? It's written by this guy, John. He's referred to as the the disciple that Jesus loved. So there was a really, really close relationship. And as he writes, you can see that there are details in his writing that only somebody who'd walked closely with Jesus, who'd seen what he'd seen, who'd heard what he'd heard, who'd tasted what he'd tasted, who'd smelt what he'd smelt, all sorts of little details in there that show you that he was there and he was so close to Jesus. This is a beautiful account written by one who loved him as well. John's got lots of little devices that he uses. He really likes the number seven. You might notice as you read it that he talks about seven sayings that Jesus made about I am. He talks about seven signs. Uh, Seven is really the number of completion and perfection. And John's a clever guy, so he writes all this stuff down. He has some of the most famous verses in the Bible in his book, John John 3 verse 16. I'm sure all of us, or hopefully all of us, could quote fairly accurately quite quickly. And it's different, isn't it? It's different to the other three Gospels. It tells the story differently. A lot of the other Gospels focus on what Jesus did, what Jesus said. There's a lot of action in the other Gospels. But the thing about John that's unique is that he spends most of his time talking about who Jesus was, who Jesus is. And he sums up his entire book towards the end in John 20 verse 31 when he says, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He summarizes his whole book in one sentence, absolutely fantastic. The whole point of the Gospel of John is to point to Jesus 
to clearly show us that he's the Messiah, to present us, to present his readers with challenge and with truth that requires us to respond because Jesus is doing things that are unnatural. Jesus is doing miraculous things. Jesus is saying challenging things and each of the things that he does and he says and who he is should challenge us and cause us to respond, uh, to, to make a choice to, um, to accept that he is who he says he is. He's the one in whom light and life have their source and that life is on offer to each of us today. Even if we're already Christians, we can have more. If we're not quite there with God, there's total freedom for us. And we exist really as an organisation, don't we? Not for ourselves, but for everybody out there. The light and the life in him is available through us to the whole of the world. And the book of John, let me just say this as well because I love it, ends with probably the best statement that any book has ever ended with. And I love this. He says, Jesus did many other things. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. What a brilliant final word. Absolutely fantastic. But let's not start at the end. Let's start back at the beginning. So let's read John chapter 1. Verses 1 to 14. Uh, I'll read from the NIV. Feel free to read from whatever version, language or style that most speaks to your heart. Uh, But let me just pray quickly uh, before I do. God, I pray as we read your word now, would you open our ears? Would you open our eyes? Would you soften our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you speak in your name? Amen. Here goes. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I'm sure we've heard that reading many times. Often it's read at Christmas time, isn't it? And I have to say, (laughs) I have to say, uh, when I've previously in life, and especially as a younger person, when I heard it read, I just found it baffling. I thought, what is this guy saying? It's a bit repetitive. There's lots of kind of wordplay going on, all sorts of different things. And yet we know that John is a master storyteller. We know that he's weaving all of this stuff together to to make it very, very clear to us that Jesus is the Messiah. But it can be a bit confusing because... A, we're not Greek, B, we're not Hebrew, and C, we don't live in the first century. Uh, We live uh, in a much, much different culture. We don't kind of understand automatically some of the references and some of the the, um, 
the things that he takes for granted. So that's often why we can find this stuff a bit baffling, because basically it's written for a whole different set of hearers and readers. And my temptation, I don't know about yours, is often just to skip over the stuff that I feel is a bit confusing or I don't really understand or I don't really get. And, and in, a, in a passage like this, you can quite easily do that, can't you? You can skip over some bits and then you can pull out the bits that you really like. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not overcome it. That I get, I can, I can deal with that. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. That's the bit that I really want to speak about. That's where I really want to land. Um, but I, and, and I don't know about you when it comes to journeys, uh, but I'm a very much, I like to get from A to B as quickly as possible. I like to be at the destination. I don't like messing around. I don't like stopping. I really don't like stopping. Uh, and Steve really does like stopping. He likes to make the most of the journey and see all the places of note on the way and experience things as we go. And I just want to get there because you know, it's probably better where we're going than all the different places. But actually, it's good to spend our time in the detail. It's good to spend our time uh, pushing back against those natural tendencies we might have to skip and to gloss and actually dig in a little bit into the detail and journey with scripture. And one of the things that I felt when I started reading John and, and, and when I kind of set myself this task to speak about it was a bit being a bit overwhelmed because there's a lot in here and I don't know if I might, you know, Hundreds of very clever people have spent their entire careers just on this book. Um, but actually, I felt reassured when I was praying that, that reading scripture, understanding scripture, learning scripture is a journey. It's a, it's a living experience that we each have, that we each go on. So you might know a lot of stuff, but God can still teach you through scripture. You might understand a lot of things, but God's got more to say than he's already said. So I just wanted to add that in as a little aside. So... Two things I want to do with the remainder of our time this morning. Firstly, have a little look at this concept of the word, this character that John introduces right at the beginning of his story. And then secondly, help us just be amazed again by this incredible plot twist of the word becoming flesh. We will get there, but let's spend a bit of time getting there first. So what's John really going on about with this concept of the word? Well, here's a spoiler alert uh, in case you didn't know, uh, but the word is Jesus. But he uses this different term, Jesus, because actually, and I'd never thought about this before, before Jesus was born, before he was named as a man, he wasn't necessarily called Jesus. He was a presence, he was God, and we'll talk about it. Uh, Jesus, uh, Paul, oh dear, John <laughs> says three clear things right in the very beginning of this statement. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was there in the beginning. He was God, and he was with God. Three clear statements about Jesus, before Jesus was ever born as a human, before he was ever named Jesus. He was eternal. That's what it says when he was there from the beginning. He was with God. He's a person. He is a relational person. He's distinct from God but he's also with God. And finally, he's divine. He was God. Three key statements about who Jesus is uh, as, as, as John explains him to us. The next thing that he goes on to say is that God, uh, Jesus, the word was there um, as creator. 
And this, this opening statement of John, this opening passage, really mirrors the book of Genesis. If you think that you might have heard something a bit like this before, it's because you have. Uh, right back at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. John makes this allusion back to the very, very beginning of time. Jesus, the word, the Messiah, was existent always. He is an eternal God. And um, he, um, he starts then to add some qualities after that. He makes these three bold statements, and then he starts to talk about the fact that uh, in Jesus is, is, is life, and in Jesus is light. And I'm going to look at these two qualities. All the other gospel writers, by the way, they all start with angels and shepherds, the Christmas story, well, apart from Mark, who starts when Jesus' public ministry began. But what John does is he roots the person of Jesus and the story of Jesus that he tells right back in the very beginning. He goes back to the initial creative moment and he shows us who Jesus is in the whole narrative of scripture, not just in his life on earth, which is really important for us to know. And so life, he talks about in him was life. And the Greek uh, has three different words for life. I'm not a a Greek scholar, but I can read what other people say about Greek. And uh, the three different words for life are number one, a biological word about life, this physical, breathing, growing, embodied human biological life that we have. The second word for life is about our psychological life, about our mind, about our heart, about our soul, about our feelings. And that's not what John's talking about either. He uses a third word for life, which is Zoe, is the word. And it talks about eternal life, life that only the divine God has. And this is the word for life that John uses throughout his gospel. Zoe life. Life it talks about later in John 10.10, 10, doesn't it? Life in all of its fullness. Uh, later, uh, Jesus also goes on to say, I am the way, the truth and the life. The character of the word, the character of Jesus is that he is the source of life. He is the giver and the bringer of life. He is life and life comes from him and life is in him. The second thing that it points to in terms of his attributes or his character is that he is light. And as I said earlier, that's one of those verses that we love to to focus on because we get it. When he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, we can understand that picture, can't we? Last week was half term and I went to visit my mum and dad. My mum and dad live on a farm in North Yorkshire and at the night, in the night time, it is very, very dark there. You turn off the lights at night in your bedroom and you literally you close your eyes, you open your eyes, there's no difference. Trying to get around their house in the middle of the night is a disaster, uh, especially if you're like, trying to creep into kids' bedrooms and sort them out and the amount of times that I've banged into something, I hurt myself, because when you're in the dark, it's really difficult to move around isn't it to find your way you often end up stumbling tripping and falling 
And then last night I was, it's become darker, hasn't it, since the clocks went back. Last night I got on my bike and started cycling home and realised that lots of the street lights haven't been switched on yet. I don't know whether that's just because we're saving energy these days or just because, I don't know, someone forgot to change the clocks at the council. But um, I'm cycling in the dark and it's really leafy and I was just thinking, oh, the irony, I'm talking about light tomorrow. Um, uh, darkness can be dangerous for us. Darkness is something that causes us to fear Darkness makes everything much harder. And yet Jesus is the light. And that light dispels darkness. It's not like an equal and opposite force. There isn't, you know, equality in darkness and light. There isn't a kind of balance in light and darkness. Where there is light, the darkness cannot be. Even in the darkest of scenarios, you light a match and everything changes. You light a candle and everything changes. You switch on a light and everything changes. And uh, in our, our nation at the moment, we're struggling when it comes to the cost of power, aren't we? And so I'm constantly saying to my kids, turn off the lights, turn off the TV, turn off the stuff. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do the same myself as well, not just uh, say to other people. Uh, but the other night I was laid in bed and I, was, I just felt like God said to me, keep switched on. And I don't think he meant the lights, but I think he meant the light in me. And it's so easy for us as Christians to switch our light on and off uh, to suit ourselves when we can be bothered who we're around what's going on if we're having a bad day or a good day whether someone said something to us that's really annoying whether you know we're just a bit like uh, stressed but actually each of us carries the light of Christ within us we are light bearers and I felt like he said keep it switched on don't be trying to conserve God's light he's got plenty there is no cost attached to bearing God's light there is no uh, shortage of light Light from him so keep it shining especially in this season when things are darker and more tough and more challenging I did not know why I said that but there we go that just came out right darkness seems powerful but ultimately it's defeated that's the good news the light has shined in the darkness the true light gives light to everyone in the world this is our key character this word this Jesus is eternal This Jesus is a person, a personal, relational individual. This Jesus is divine. He is God. This Jesus was there at creation. This Jesus is the source and the giver of life. This Jesus is the light for ourselves and for our world. And then comes the plot twist. This Jesus, as divine, as amazing, as full of life, as bringing light, becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us. I love the way that the message uh, paraphrase talks about it. It says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And at Eden, we kind of take that metaphor and we apply it liberally because that's the heart of what we do. 700 people plus taking that as our, as our motto, as our goal and moving into neighborhoods that might seem dark, that might seem difficult, but in which uh, light can shine ever so brightly if we go obedient to do so. And just as in the story of Genesis, the creation of the human was the pinnacle. So in this initial story of John, the word becoming flesh, the creation of this new man who begins the creation of a new order is the pinnacle of his story. This moment of incarnation that changes everything, the start of a new order. N.T. Wright, when he translates the word dwell among us, translates it as tabernacled, which is 
bit of an oldie, worldy word. What does it mean? Well, the tabernacle, if we look at the book of Exodus, so now John's moved on from Genesis. He's now talking about Exodus. He likes to root his stories in stories we already know. Uh, talks about the, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the place where God's presence was. He was close to his people. He was present to his people. He was revealing himself to his people. Um, he moves into the place where God is. And Tim Mackey talks about the tabernacle and he says this, the tabernacle flips a well-known Christian phrase that is a dangerous half-truth, which is that God can't have anything to do with sin or sin can't be in the presence of God. The tabernacle actually turns that over and says no. God's purpose is to live among his people. That means God moves into sin. God stakes out a claim in the region of sin and dedicates it and redeems it by his holy presence. God moves into sin. Eden, the garden that God created, the perfect place was a place not just where heaven and earth met, but where heaven and earth combined. And what Jesus is doing now is finding places where his presence will be, where heaven and earth can once again combine. Not just meet, but combine and be one. John writes all this to help us to stay strong in our faith. He writes all this to challenge us, to hold on to the truth of who Jesus is, not to let that slip or slide, not to forget, not to make Jesus smaller than we think he could be, uh, not, to, not to misunderstand. We sang earlier, didn't we? Not be all else to me, save that thou art. It's good to remind ourselves who Jesus is sometimes because often we make Jesus into who we'd like him to be. We make him into our friend. We make him into our healer. We make him into um, the one that we chat to in a, on our way to work. We make him into something a lot smaller and a lot more human than he is. And yes, he became a man. Yes, he lived on earth, but he is greater and more than that. He has glory. He is full of grace and truth. So... That was my brief introduction, but there is so much more richness when it comes to the Gospel of John. There is so much more detail. We could spend months and months unpacking it, but I just wanted to challenge us this morning to look again at Jesus and to marvel at who he is. Not all of those things I've said will resonate with each of you, but perhaps there's one thing that I've said this morning that resonates for you. Perhaps it's the fact that Jesus is God Perhaps it's the fact that Jesus is eternal and that he's the creator. Perhaps it was the fact that Jesus is the source of life and a fresh and a renewed life and an eternal life, not just a happy uh, go lucky experience, but deep, deep life. Perhaps it's the message about light in the darkness that's, that's held on, that, that, that resonates with you this morning. But for each of us, this story that John writes doesn't stop when he says the life of Jesus, uh, when he finishes the life of Jesus. It continues, and it continues in and through each of us. So I want to challenge us this morning. What one thing spoke to you? And what is your part in taking this story forward? Whether it's sharing that life, whether it's bringing life, whether it's moving closer so that God can be present in the community that you live in. But whatever it is, make sure you stay switched on, you stay listening, and you stay marvelling and always amazed at who Jesus is. Let me pray. Perhaps you'll stand if you're able to do so, and our band will come back and lead us uh, in another uh, worship uh, song. 
let's uh, just respond quietly for a moment. Lord, thank you for the richness of your word. Thank you for thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you sent him. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you lived and died. Thank you that you give us this new life, life eternal. And God, I pray this morning that would be an experience that all of us would know to be true. I pray we would know the fullness of life that comes from you. And God, I pray where there is darkness in our lives and in our uh, situations, that you would again just dispel that darkness with the switching on of your light, with a flick uh, of the switch. Jesus, would you speak to us, I pray. Would you move us? Would you keep us constantly in awe of who you are? In your name I pray. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.